Welcome to the Rocky Messages Podcast. Rocky is a community of believers that want to know Jesus and love like him. If there's something today that you'd like more of, make sure you listen to our weekly podcast, Rocky Unscripted. This is where we take topics and go even further with conversation, research, and study. But for now, let's listen to this week's message. Well, I'd say this, if you were not awake before service, you are awake now, right? I mean, I watched that video two months ago. I'm like, we have got to show that because there, there's like so much truth in it and it's so motivational. I, I watched it and I thought, man, I just watched a Rocky movie. I felt like I want to get up and punch somebody, right? In just a good way. I mean, just there's so much truth in what he said. He says there's, there's pain on the one side, right? of good things, and there's pain on the other side of bad things. Like when you just look at life, life is difficult. I mean, that's just a reality. Life is hard. I mean, think about it for a second. The bad in life is obviously hard. Like we realize that, and there's some circumstances that happen in life that you are, they're outside of your control, but they're difficult and that's hard. But there are some bad things in life that happen to us that are our choosing. They are of our choosing. I mean, we just have to be real about that. There are sometimes there are bad things in our life that we just decided because of indecision or maybe a bad decision that led to some side of kind of regret that brought some pain in our life. It's hard. I mean, just think about it. It's, it's kind of not hard to not go to the gym, right? I mean, it's not real hard to just sit, sit at home on the couch and watch TV and not go to the gym. But what's really hard about that is 30 years later when you're on 10 medications, you're trying to figure things out physically, right? I mean, it's real easy to go through the McDonald's drive-through three or four times a week until you get 20 years down the road and you have a heart attack. That's hard. I mean, the difficult things in life, we can go through relationships, we can go through finances, we can go through all the different things in our life and say, man, there are some indecision or some bad decisions that lead to some hard things in life. It's just a reality. Life is hard. But on the other side, what's really interesting is the good things in life are hard too. Like there is no success and no achievement in your life that's not associated with some kind of difficulty and pain. Would you not agree? I mean, it's true. If you're going to achieve something in life, you're going to have to put in some sweat and some grit to make it happen. It's just true. Like when I was, uh, when I was uh, um, for my first year of high school, I kind of learned this idea, uh, this idea of like choose your heart. Like you choose, choose the hard work now or you choose the hard results later. I, you know I love basketball. And so I remember um, I was coming in my, my um, early years of high school. It was my first year. And I was getting ready to head out for the basketball team. And there was always that week of tryouts. And guys, I did the work ahead of time. And I was always out in the driveway or going to the gym. And I'm shooting and getting shots up and that. But what I didn't do is get my butt on the line and get out there and run like I should have run. I thought, man, I just get out and play a lot of pickup ball and you know, come into tryouts, I'll be fine, I'll be ready to go. We walked into tryouts that year and we had a brand new coach. It was his first year. And, it, and if you know what happens like in a larger school with trials for any sport is you usually get like tons of kids that show up. I remember walking into the gym and there's like 60 or 70 kids there for trials. And here's what coaches do. Like, all right, we're just going to run them out of the gym. And that's what they do. They literally run kids out of the gym. So they're like, okay, let's do a couple drills. Now let's get on the line and let's run. I spent that entire week with my head hanging over a trash can because I wasn't in game ready shape for basketball. 
Now, it's interesting. So we go through, and, and I, I, I made the team because I was skilled enough to make the team. And I had a buddy named Matt, and Matt and I were about the same skill level. But here was the interesting thing is Matt put in the work ahead of time. His dad was a basketball coach, and he kind of knew what was required. And, and so he put in the running ahead of time and all of that. And Matt's first year of high school, he became a starter on the varsity team. We were about the same skill level. But because I didn't come in ready, there was some pain and regret. And I was relegated to be a starter on the JV team and swung up to varsity some. And I was like, that shouldn't happen again. I got to the next year, and that, that year was difficult. It was difficult watching my buddy, and he was in the newspaper, and he was doing great and all that stuff. And that was difficult, but the next year was difficult too, and here's why. It was, it was about a month and a half before the basketball season, and that coach who had been his coach and then was probably going to be my coach that year, he came to me and three other guys. And he says, guys, um, I'm really excited about this, but you guys are going out for the cross-country team. And I was like, coach, I'm, I'm not signing up for cross-country. I mean, I'm not wearing those shorts and running around like that. I'm not doing that. And, and he's like, no, 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 you, you're signed up for the cross-country team. And I was like, who signed me up for the cross-country team? And he's like, I did. <laughs> and he's got this like evil smile on his face. He's like, here's the deal. You don't have to wear the shorts. You don't have to run any of the meets, but you have to be at every practice. And so it starts tomorrow. The problem was, is the cross-country team had been running all summer, and their official season had started about three weeks before that. And so he was signing us up late, and he says, be at practice today at 3.30. I showed up to practice with three of my other buddies, these basketball guys. We got our basketball gym shorts on, and they're all looking at us like, what are these guys doing? And they're all like, you know, four foot two and 37 pounds and flying around the track and everything. And, and we're out there, and the first day, the cross-country coach looks at us, and he says, okay, here's what we're doing. You guys just jump in and run the heats with people. You run as much as you can. If you need to step out, get a break, do it. We're running 400s. We ran 400s, which is one, a quarter mile, one lap around the track. We ran 400s for 90 minutes. Guys, I thought hanging my head over a trash can in basketball practice was bad. I didn't know what bad was. <laughs> the second day we come out and I walk into practice like this, you know, I'm like hardly walk and I come into practice and they're like, okay, eight mile run. You guys know the course, head out. You basketball guys, if you get tired, you fall behind, I'll pick you up. He picked me up in the back of his pickup truck three times, drove me to the front of the pack, dropped me off and they passed me every single time. But you know what happened? A month and a half later, I walked into basketball practice. I made a starting spot at the beginning of the season on the varsity team with my buddy Matt because we put in the work ahead of time. You see, the reality is this in life, is you get to choose your heart. And the leadership principle and idea is this, you can choose the hard work now or you end up choosing the hard results later. And it's true physically, it's true spiritually, it's true in personal development, whether it be our relationships or our finances, whatever area of life, you get to choose your heart. You choose the hard work now, or you choose the hard results later. You get to choose your heart. We've been in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is in the Old Testament, and the reason we chose the book of Nehemiah for this series, it's called Grit, and Grit's kind of the idea of just the willingness to put in the perseverance and the passion to persist at something that you think is important, even when the going gets tough. Like just to be the willingness to be able to push through and have grit to push through. Now, talent matters to success, right? Even luck matters to success, but we would say this, grit matters a whole lot more. And so we jumped into this book of Nehemiah because Nehemiah in the Old Testament, 
It's probably a few hundred years before Jesus walked this earth. Nehemiah's story is a grit story. Like if you, if you miss the first two, first two weeks, I would encourage you to go back and to watch and to listen because I think there's so much challenge, but we give a lot of just kind of background. So let me give it to you in a nutshell. The Israelites, God's people, had been taken out by the Babylonians. Like Nebuchadnezzar walked in and the city of Jerusalem, their holy city, I mean, everything just kind of wrapped around Jerusalem. The temple was there, um, the leadership was there, all of that. Nebuchadnezzar walked in and he didn't just conquer the people. He wiped out their city. Like he wiped the temple foundation clean. He took the walls of Jerusalem in one area. He literally pushed the walls. I mean, we're talking, I'll explain how big this wall was. He pushed the wall off into the valley. And you're looking at these stones going, how did they even do that? I mean, he burned the city. It, they walked out and Nebuchadnezzar took hundreds of thousands of, of Jewish people, the Israelites, to live in Babylon, kind of readjust their culture. And he just left the rest of the people living in ruins. And they had lived in ruins for decades. Nehemiah is one of the lucky ones. His parents must have been people who were kind of high ups, nobles, and he made it high up actually in the king's court. He was the um, cupbearer to the king which we explained the first week, that's not like just the guy who sips the wine and checks the food and to see if it's poisoned and like off with your head dead guy. It's not that guy. This guy is like actually leader of security for the king of Babylon. So we're talking big deal. Nehemiah, alongside the king, every meal, he's good friends. He says, hey king, I've heard a report, my homeland. This king cares nothing about his homeland. He says, my homeland is in ruins. The city that, that my parents loved, I've never been there, but that city is in, in ruins. Would you allow me to go back and rebuild the wall? The king says yes, and then he pays for it. He's like, Nehemiah, I'll give you the funds. You just go do it. They're 900 miles away from Jerusalem. Nehemiah gets all the resources, gets people that are, can come back and help him, and he goes back to Jerusalem. And we pick up the story in Nehemiah chapter 2, starting at verse 11. He's been there for like three days. And he shows up, and I want you to see what Nehemiah actually does. Verse 11 says, I went to Jerusalem. So this is after going, he traveled probably like three months to a certain area to get all the supplies. Then he traveled three months, 900 miles to Jerusalem, and he gets there. He's never seen the place. So keep that in mind. So I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there for three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. So nobody knows this guy. They just know this big guy kind of shows up with a lot of pomp and circumstance and he's there and who is this guy? And Nehemiah doesn't say anything. He says, there were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night, I went through the valley gate toward the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem. That's really important. Nehemiah, before he did anything, he walks into Jerusalem. He's like, man, I better go check out these walls. That's what I'm going to rebuild. So he goes and examines the walls of Jerusalem, which have been broken down and its gates, which have been destroyed by fire. So Nehemiah walks in and before he goes to the local hangout, he's like, man, guys, why isn't anybody rebuilding these walls? Before he goes to the city council meeting and says, hey, I've got an idea. What Nehemiah does is goes out by cover of night and he examines the walls. Let me give you a picture of these walls. If you go to Jerusalem today, the wall around the city of Jerusalem today, and keep in mind, Jerusalem has been rebuilt many times. It's rebuilt on top of rebuild on top of rebuild. 
But the current wall of Jerusalem is 2.5 miles long. It's 39 feet tall, like average, 39 feet tall. And it's on average about eight feet wide. Now there are places, certain buildings that it, the wall runs into that the wall expands out and it's, it's, it's at the largest point is about 26 feet wide. But you're talking 40 feet high. Like if you just sit here and you just kind of look up right now in this building, you're getting close to the walls of Jerusalem. 40 feet high, eight feet wide. Now, Nehemiah's wall wasn't 2.5 miles long. It was about 1.7. There's portions of the city that, that didn't have, a, they weren't built in, and the wall wasn't that long. But 1.7 miles, like that's a long ways. And 39 feet tall, that's a big wall. And eight feet wide, I mean, we're talking about something significant here. So Nehemiah walks in, he looks at the walls. Now, archaeologists have actually dug up through the layers of the rebuilds of Jerusalem, and they found Nehemiah's wall. And what's really interesting, in 2007, there was a lady who led an expedition, and they found portions of the wall near what they believed was David's palace. And what's so important about what they found, because there's a lot of people that are skeptical, they're like, 1.7 miles? In 52 days? How do, is that even possible? Well, it's possible if you're in a hurry and you do hasty work. You see, when they dug up the layers and they found Nehemiah's wall, what they found is it was uncut, unfinished stones. Like you can actually see a portion of what they believe is actually next to uh, what was David's palace. And you can see kind of the wall going up and some of the ruins that they found there. But if you look at that, and there's some portions that don't even look that nice at all. What you find is what Nehemiah did, he was not concerned about perfection. What Nehemiah was concerned with was protection. You see, the surrounding areas are like, if they rebuild that temple, man, their God might come back. And so they just kept coming in and just thwarting, you know, being a thorn in the side of the people and keeping the walls from being rebuilt and all that different stuff. And so Nehemiah walks in and he says, guys, we're not worrying about doing this really pretty. <laughs> What we're doing is we're just taking rocks and we're going to pile rocks up on top of rocks and we're going to rebuild this wall as quickly as we can because in Nehemiah's day, that's what you had to defend your city was a wall. Like think about today's, all the things we've got, we got drones and we got fighter jets and we got all those things. What they did in that day is they built a wall 40 feet high, eight foot wide. And the only way you get over that wall is ladders going over that wall or projecting something over the wall. It was their defense system. So Nehemiah was like, let's get the defense system up as soon as possible. And so the first thing he does is he walks in and he inspects the walls. Like he does inventory of the wall. Let me ask you a question, because I think that is so important. When was the last time that you sat down and reflected and did some inventory of your life? Like, like, think about this for a moment. When was the last time that you actually sat down and you thought about your life spiritually, which I think is the most important, physically, I think is super important, your personal development, your relationships and your finances. When was the last time that you actually sat down, took some time and reflected and took inventory? Like you inspected those areas of your life and said, where am I right now? Where am I spiritually? Where am I physically? Where am I in my development of my relationships, my finances, all these different areas? Where am I right now and where do I want to be? And what does it actually take to get there? 
You see, here's what Nehemiah understood. Is Nehemiah understood that one of the best thoughts toward change, one of the best helps toward change is reflection. You see, reflection leads to redirection. Let me say that again. Reflection in our life actually leads to redirection. And here's what happens for most people. We don't change in our life. We don't make the changes that we want. We get down the road and we actually have regrets because we never took time to sit down and actually reflect on where we are right now and where we think we should be. And then what does it take to actually get there? You would do so well. Like it would be a great thing if you would go home this afternoon Or set out an hour this week. Just put it on your calendar and sit down with your journal or a piece of paper and just start writing. Hey, where am I in these areas? And am I all right with that? And where should I be? And what you'll find is you're never where you want to be. But you might find, hey, I'm doing pretty well in this area, but this other area over here, and if I would just work on that, what would the story be a year from now? What would the story be five years from now if I would decide just to do something right now? If I'd reflect, figure it out, and start working toward it. If you don't take time to reflect, you will not be able to redirect your current reality to your desired reality. Let me say that again. If you don't take time to reflect, you will not be able to change your current reality to what the desired reality for those areas of your life. And so we would do well to sit down and reflect. Nehemiah did. And he made a plan. And then he jumped in and he gathers the people. So he goes out, he checks out the wall, he comes back in, he gathers the people, and he starts inspiring them about what's possible. And so we pick up in verse 17, and he says, then I said to them. So he's got the people gathered around. He says, then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned by fire. He inspects the reality. So guys, this is a reality that we're in. And you've been sitting in this for a long time, far too long. Like, I think you've been sitting in it so long that you don't even realize it anymore. And so Nehemiah just brings some reality and says, here's the spot we're in, and I think there's something possible if we'll just jump in and actually make a decision. I've mentioned a guy's name in here quite a few times, actually three times, one before Christmas and then one two weeks ago. His name's Trent Shelton. If you haven't heard the name, he's a former Baylor football player. Didn't make it in the NFL, broke his dreams. He was just crushed, sitting at home in his mom's basement. And his mom came down, she had a conversation with him. She says, are you going to sit here or are you going to actually do something? Trent Shelton was in the middle of a major injury, kind of a a, a career-ending football injury. And he just said, okay, I'm going to start sharing my ideas and my thoughts, and I'm going to start sharing my rehab. And he calls his followers on social media, which he has 12 million of them, he calls them rehabbers. (laughs) Like we're always rehabbing something in our life. And I was listening to a podcast toward the end of the year, and he made a strong statement. Now understand, Trent Shelton's a football player, he's a social media influencer, but he's a strong Christian. But Trent Shelton said this, he said, indecision is a damned decision. And here's the deal, sometimes strong language creates strong truth. Like it helps us understand strong strong truth. What Trent Shelton was saying is indecision is a bad decision in your life. Nehemiah standing up there in front of the people and he's saying indecision, like we've been sitting in these ruins for so long we don't even realize it anymore. Like your indecision has left us here. 
And so it's time, guys, to make a decision and to get after it in an area of our life and start rebuilding this wall. Let me ask you this. When is, what area of your life has indecision been a bad decision? Like there's probably a few areas that there's been some really good things. There's probably been a few areas you're like, this is, this is good, but there's probably one area that every single one of us know that indecision, like we've been sitting on some things that we're probably getting used to that we shouldn't be used to. And we're probably missing out on some things in our life that if we would just act, like it probably doesn't even matter what the decision is. But if we would just decide to do something, to make some movement, to move forward a little bit, this decision might lead to that decision, might lead to another decision that creates something better. And so Nehemiah challenges people and he says, hey, let's just get rid of this indecision because it's bad. And let's make a decision and let's start building this wall. If you're a sports fan, if you look at a box score, it's a very interesting label in a box score. You look at a box score for basketball, you look at a box score for football, you look at whatever for basketball, you'll see minutes played, you'll see points scored, you'll see shots taken, you'll see rebounds, you'll see personal fouls, you'll see all those things. But when you get down to the end of the box score, you'll see this thing that says DNP, and it's usually the last three or four people. Last three or four people, and it'll be blank across, but it says DNP. You know what DNP stands for? Did not play. Like for whatever reason, coach's decision, suspension, injury, whatever, did not play, DNP. And there's a lot of people that live certain portions of their life with the label DNP. Did not play. Did not play as a dad. Did not play as a spouse. Did not play spiritually. Man, did not play financially and we get down the road and we're just looking at staring retirement down like, oh man, I did not do what I should have done. There's a whole lot of us in one or two areas of our life that what we need to do is get off the bench and actually get in the game and make a decision and do something now because you never know what God can do with just a little bit of movement. With just a little yes to say, okay, I don't even know where this is going, but I'm going to make this decision. And what usually happens is God takes that decision and he moves it toward another decision and another decision. And all of a sudden, what you thought was impossible becomes possible because you made movement. Now, where is indecision led to a place in your life where you're just not playing? And where do you need to get off the bench and get into the game and say, this area needs to change? You know how they made change? It's really interesting. Nehemiah goes on and it says in verse um, 17 and 18, I'll read 17 again. He says, then I said to them, you see the trouble we're in? Just the reality of the indecision. Jerusalem lies in ruins. Its gates have been destroyed with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in this disgrace. I told them about the gracious hand of my God and what the king has said to me. They replied, let us, key word, let us start the rebuilding. So they began this good work. You go on to chapter three, we won't read it. But you go on to chapter three and Nehemiah tells how he did the work. He goes family by family. He looks at this family right here and he says, you live near this section of the wall, this is your section. 
And he goes to this family right here and he says, you, you guys are right next to them and your family. So you take the section next to them. The entire 1.7 miles, they go family by family by family by family. Some families took gates, some families took outposts, some families took sections of the wall. The entire 1.7 miles is covered by family by family by family. And what does that produce? If you're working and I'm working next to you, I better be working. And if that family over there is doing the work and I'm next to them, I better be working. Here's the deal. When you work together, when you go together with somebody else, it's always better, is it not? Like what happened was Nehemiah built in some accountability with these people to where they went together. We've got a value around this place. It's just that. We call it go together. And it actually started from, I mean, you look at through the New Testament and you see that Jesus went together. He had 12 disciples. Paul, one of the greatest leaders, you just, you go through all of his letters that he wrote to the churches and the whole last chapter of every book is a thank you note to all his friends and all his coworkers. It's like, these are my people and I keep going. He even says it and I keep going because of these people. You look at Moses and he had people. And you look at Joshua and he had people. And David and he had a whole list of mighty men that were his people. You see, when we go together, we've got that value around here. It actually came from biblical value, but it also came from an African proverb that we learned over in Kenya. So we're on a mission trip over in Kenya. Matt is, and he comes back and says, man, this African proverb is, is, is crazy. It's like, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go what? Together. There's something so true about that. When we step back and we begin to reflect on our life and we name out some things and say, this has to change. And when we jump in and we actually decide to make some movement and choose some things to actually move, something begins to happen. But what usually happens for us is we make decisions say, I'm gonna be better at this. But when we don't tell somebody, when we don't write it down and we don't tell somebody and become accountable to it, what happens? We quit. Because life is hard. Circumstances happen. We roll down the road and all of a sudden, we quit. And we say, I'll get back to it next week. But there's nobody to say, hey, I'm back at it. I'm back at it. <laughs> and we quit. This summer, I've told this story one time, and I'll just say it again for, I think it fits for what we're doing here. Um, this summer, my daughter was, was, she came out of basketball season, and basketball season didn't go exactly the way she wanted it to go. She's good. She did well. But Maddie came out. She's 17 years old. She was in her sophomore season, and she comes out, and she's like, man, Dad, I got just a few months till basketball starts in the fall. And I don't know. I, I want to do something. And I, I had... She was talking physically. She just wanted to work on our body, work on our game, do some different things. And, and a couple of our staff members had done a mental toughness challenge. There's two staff members and both of them, their spouses, they're good friends, and they did it. And they did it for 75 days. It shows five commitments. And in those five commitments, there was things like, you know, drink a gallon of water, work out two times a day, 45 minutes, two times a day. And, uh, and then there was like, um, choose a diet plan and stick to that diet plan and, and no cheat meals. And, and all of a sudden, it was read 10 pages a day and even take a project or a progress picture, kind of see where you were at the beginning and where you are at the end. And they did it. And the stuff they talked about, about progress in their life was, was so incredible that I was like, man, Maddie, you know, Amanda and Dee and, and Joel and Josie, they, they did this thing. And she's like, let's do it. 
I'm like, oh, let's do it? No, you're gonna do it, right? She goes, no, Dad, come on, man. I need somebody to do it with. Let's do it. And so, guys, we did it. And I'm telling you, it was super hard. You got to work out 45 minutes two times a day. There were times where we were at the gym at 11.30 trying to get in our 45-minute workout. There was times that I'm at like 11.50 going, this has been the craziest day. Get out of my book. Read my 10 pages, you know? Which book has the shortest 10 pages that I can read kind of thing, right? Guys, we got to the end of that thing. And I'm telling you, I'll just tell you about my daughter's side. Man, the physical changes, and man, her being a 17-year-old girl, the confidence that it built in her was incredible. She walked into basketball because some of her commitments wrapped around some basketball stuff that she was doing. She walked into basketball this year after only getting six games on the varsity team last year. She's a starter on the team this year. She was voted as a captain on her team this year. And if you ask her, like, where'd that come from? She'd be like, Dad, it came from the commitments and the pushing through and the mental toughness of doing it for 75 days and getting it done. And I'm telling you, I'm incredibly proud. You know, sometimes what we have to do is we have to choose something hard, but we have to choose something hard together. And guys, all of life is hard. The good's hard, the bad is hard. And so we challenge and we encourage you around this place to choose something hard together all the time. That's why we have small groups. That's how we go together. Like we got a launch that's coming up immediately. You should go out in the lobby and you should talk to somebody and say, hey, I want to get in a small group. There's a table out there today, both campuses. How do I do that? If you're online, you should go online to our website, rocky.church/groups. That's how we go together. Because some of you are living life alone and you're not getting what you want out of life. Because you need God, number one, and you need God's people helping you go together with them to see something different in their life. So here's what we're going to do. Like, we got done with that commitment. I just was like, I was convicted. I was like, guys, I think there's something for our church in this. Like, not this commitment thing that we did, but our version of that. I think we need something because we need to get a little grittier in life. Because there are a lot of things that we want to see happen that are only going to happen if we get away from the indecision, because that's a bad decision, and get after it, make a decision, say, let's have some grit, and let's actually do something. But here's the thing. What you need to do is different than what I need to do. And what you need to do is different than what this person over here needs to do. We all have different things. And so we just stepped back and we said, hey, let's do a grit challenge. Book of Nehemiah is 52 days. They rebuilt the wall. What could we do in 52 days if we chose some things to do together? And you know you got three things in your life, in the area of your spiritual life, in the area of your physical life. We could all do better than that, right? In the area of maybe personal development, whatever that is for you, finances, relationships, time management, leadership at work, friendships, whatever that might be, there's some area of your life that you could commit to something that if you did it for 52 days, what would it lead to? What would it lead to? It might lead to some things, because you know what's been so cool about watching my daughter is the commitments haven't quit. And there's actually more commitments that are coming on the plate. Because if this could happen, what else could happen? And what could it be for you? I want you to pull out this card. If you're here today and not watching online, you got one of these cards when you walked in. If you're online, all you got to do, go, do is go to rocky.church grit and you can print one of these out. 
But here's what we're going to do. We're going to start off with a mental toughness challenge. And we're just going to say for the next 52 days, what could we do together? How could we choose three commitments that you will do every single day? And they don't have to be big. We're not talking about impossible here. We're just talking about necessary. Like, what would you choose in the area? Number one, spiritually. I mean, that's the most important thing in your life. If you miss that one and you get to the end of your life and you don't commit your life to Christ and invest in that relationship, you don't want to get a DNP <laughs> faith-wise. So what do you need to do? And you don't know what ideas to choose. On the back, there's goal ideas. Man, maybe you just need to pray five minutes a day. Commit to that. Maybe you need to write in a gratitude journal and just write five things that you're grateful for to God each day. Maybe you need to read one chapter a day. What is it that you could do spiritually that draws you a little closer to God and gets him involved in your life more? Physically, you choose one commitment physically. I know some different people on our staff. One of them saying no soda. Matt said that last week. There's other, other one just said, I was talking to Luke this morning. He's like, no fast food. No fast food for 52 days. I mean, those are big things. But you're going to notice little changes, right? Over 52 days, you won't notice a change on day 10, but you might notice a change on day 52. And then you're like, man, I feel a whole lot better not eating McDonald's every single day. So maybe I don't do that anymore. And then personal development, what's the decision there? I'll give you mine. When it comes to spiritually, in, in my things, and, and we said accountability, right? And like go with somebody, so I'm going with all of you. <laughs> So I'm just going to tell you mine. My commitments are these. Spiritually is this. I'm going to start my day with meditation and prayer. Before I do anything else, I'm going to get up. I'm going to go to my spot in my house. I've got a meditation app, and I'm going to take my time and start my day with meditation and prayer because I do well at reading the Bible. I don't do as well as taking time and slowing down and just meditating and praying. Physically, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to close my Apple Watch rings every day. Now, just so you know, I've got my Apple Watch ring set to where I have to be at the gym at least 45 minutes to 60 minutes a day, all right? So no setting it too low. Personal development, I'm going to post on social media every day. You'll be like, why, that, why is that? Because I'm a leader at this place. My team's been asking me to post and to help us push some things and also just to share and encourage people, challenge people. And you know what? I feel a little insecure about it because I've not done that as much. And so 52 days, I post every single day. Maybe it creates a habit and we'll get it done. What are the little things for you that you need to choose to do something hard that might produce some results in your life that are positive for you, but also positive for somebody else? So here's what you're gonna do. If you take the challenge, and I wanna encourage us to do this because what happens if you don't do this? What happens if Nehemiah didn't build the wall? Like, there would be no story to tell. We wouldn't be standing here telling this story. Now, yours isn't going to be a wall story. You're not going to build 1.7 miles in 52 days. But what could you build in 52 days? And what happens if you don't take the challenge? So here's what you're going to do. You're going to take this. You're going to go home. You're going to take a little bit of time. And you're just going to think, what are the three challenges? What are the three things? You're going to write them down right here. And you're going to start checking them off every single day. And I'm telling you, on day four, you're going to be like, ugh. Day 25? you're going to be addicted. You're going to be like, look at that. I'm 25 in. I only got 27 more to go. And then 20, day 35, I'm, only, I'm this far in. I only got this many to go. And you're going to be excited about it, especially if you do it with somebody. 
And the cool thing is, April 2nd, if you get this thing all done by April 2nd, which is way more than 52 days, so we give some more time for people to come in, we got a t-shirt for you. And some of you are like, t-shirt, dude, you will do anything for a t-shirt. I mean, people, some of you have done the Boulder Boulder for decades and you got every single t-shirt they've ever done. That's why you do the Boulder Boulder. So why not do this? And we'll give you a t-shirt and we'll celebrate doing something together. And what kind of change could we actually make? Let me ask you this. Some of you sit there and you're like, come on, man, in this church, like, aren't we supposed to just talk about spiritual things? Why aren't we, why aren't we doing this thing where we make commitments and somebody going to post on social media, encourage you to do that, tells you how to on the car, and just kind of share your pride? Why are we doing this stuff that's like personal development? Isn't that self-help stuff? The reason why we're doing this, because it's all connected. Like, newsflash to me, it's not just our spiritual life that God created. It's our physical life, it's our giftings, it's our ability. God created you unique and he wants you to not live at 50%. He wants you to live at 100% because he created you in his image and you're like a billboard to the world of who God is. He's like, that's a little piece of me and that's a little piece of me. And the better they are in their life and for the people around them, the better they shine light to other people about him. And so why should we do this? Because it's all connected. And because God wants more for you, not from you. He wants more for you. And he wants more for the people around you. And so I want to encourage you to do this and invite somebody back because we're going to talk about it again next week and you got till April 2nd, but let's check those boxes off every single week. Post your progress, encourage somebody, but you write this down and you tell somebody. Because the reality is this, is you choose your hard. You choose hard work now or you choose hard results later. Let's choose hard together. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you for the gifts and abilities of every single person in these rooms and watching online. You've created some incredible people, and I know so many of the stories, but here's what I know. I think you want even better stories for these people, not from them, but for them and for the people around them and for their families. And so God, what I would just ask is that you would empower us and encourage us to make little changes, to do things that are necessary. So that once we're able to do what's necessary, we see what's possible and maybe you begin to even do the impossible in our life. And so God, I pray we'll take the challenge. I pray that we'll come back next week, be excited. I pray that we will do this together, pat people on the back, encourage them, high five them, keep them going, and that we will celebrate some incredible stories together of the growth that you have for us and for those around us. So God, help us to have some grit, help us to get it done. And Father, I pray that you would just produce some incredible results on the other side of this. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.